Go ahead and put our hands together. What an amazing opportunity we have as a church. I'm so glad to be a part of a church that does not just proclaim the goodness of Jesus, but also demonstrates it. And Chief Hayes is one of those areas for all of us that we're able to participate in and lean in a little bit more to live out the gospel. Amen. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Have the awesome opportunity of teaching pastor here at Ascent. Uh, shout out to every single person that's here. Also, for those of you who are watching online, um, it's so good to be with you on today. Today, we get an awesome opportunity of starting a brand new series. And it's one that I'm excited about um, just because every now and then we touch on topics and it just gets you a little squirmy. And I just like that. I just like that. It's like makes you uncomfortable, you know. Um, but here's the deal. It's a series that's entitled, um, If Money Talked, If Money Talked. A lot of our conversation, a lot of our series is going to have content and resources. We want to resource you like crazy and let you know that you're not in this alone when it comes to this conversation. But there's a lot of content and resources uh, that a church has put together from the South, um, uh, North Point Church. Um, the pastor there is uh, Andy Stanley. And we're going to be actually using, utilizing a lot of their resources and also some videos throughout the couple of weeks that we're going to use. Uh, they put together a particular study that we see that is so awesome that it gives us language, it gives us handholds and all the things. But before I even move any further, Andy Stanley also has a son who's actually a growing comedian. And I think that he just captures the feelings that we have around money. So I want you to take, a lens, take, a take your attention to the screens. Hey everybody, we are here on the street. We are gonna be asking strangers questions about their favorite things to be open and candid about their money and the personal decisions they make with their money. What could go wrong? Oh, people, excuse me, sir, ma'am, can I uh, ask you guys a couple of questions? Do we have cameras over here? Sure. You turn? It's not gonna be anything too personal, I promise. How much money do you guys make annually? That's not personal. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I'm a pharmacist. A pharmacist. How much money do you make as a pharmacist? Uh, it's decent. But like, how much money, though? Oh, we want to try the real numbers. Real, yeah, real numbers. This is a real video, real numbers. Uh, it pays rent. How much, uh, how much money do you make? Um, In like a year. I'm not comfortable sharing these information with anyone else. Why, why not? Why won't you just tell me the number? Like, it's just us. I mean, it's pretty good. Like, but like, okay, you're not gonna tell me. Uh, that's, that's fine, I thought we were friends. Are you feeling more bullish or more bearish these days? Uh, more bearish. Feeling bearish, do you know the difference? Uh, no. I don't really know exactly what you're asking me. I don't know, I feel like a lot more people get eaten by bears than get eaten by bulls. Um, would you say that you are a generous person? Um. Too, that took too long. You're a selfish person. What kind of credit card are you rocking these days? Um, Who is he? I have it on me. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah. Take it out. Get a uh, four, seven. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I love it. I have that one. Yeah, I have. The, I was just looking because I have the same one. Who was like your favorite teacher growing up? Do you remember their name? Yeah, her name is Miss Bannock. Miss Bannock. Oh man, that's. I don't remember that. Yeah. Did you have a favorite dog? Like, what was your? What was his name? Uh, his name was Zeus. Wow, yeah, sacrilegious. What did you say your last name was? What's your mother's maiden name? Uh, How much money is in your bank account? What is your mom's maiden name? Um, Gun, I think you're gonna hack my banking account with all this information now. Oh, no, 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 this is for church. Nothing ever sketchy ever happens behind the scenes at church. But was Gun with one in or two? With two. What are the last uh, four digits of your social security number? Uh, 4243. 4243. Okay, perfect. Wow, I think that's all we need. Do you have any financial advice for me? I'm a stand up comedian. 
Are you really? I, I... Well, that's very offensive that you would ask. You, you, you said that in a way that was like, really? Honestly, I actually, I'm a stand-up comedian, but my dad is a pastor, and he'll just pay me to do things like this so that I don't have to move back in with him. Well, spend your money. If he's just going to pay you to do things like this, by all means, spend it and keep doing things like this. I think that I'll probably just write out this whole dad is a pastor thing as long as I can. <laughs> I would, too. Ma'am, what is the most expensive thing you've ever bought that he doesn't know about? What is your least favorite thing about the way she spends money? Going to the mall and, and spending a lot of time. But what's your least favorite thing about the way he spends money? Sports and hunting. What are the odds of you guys having a fight after this? 100%. I think I think we'll be okay. You said 100% and you said you think you'll be okay. So that's good. Sounds like a fight. My bad. How are you? Well, before I was a stand-up comedian, I briefly held a job a in the finance industry. Really? So yes. it's a joke, right? We're gathering right. information, and then we're probably not going to use it for anything. Uh, like my wife says, you just don't open up to anybody about finances. This is actually for a church thing. So I'm representing the church right now, so you can, all this is just between us. It's not going to be. It's not going to be shown. It's not going to be shown to anyone. But what kind of credit card do you have? I think we're done here. Thank you. All right. You guys have a good one. Oh, man, that'll lighten the mood for you, right? Oh, my goodness. That is, in another life, like, if you put me somewhere where I was not known, like, 100% not known, like, I would, I would actually do a video like that. Like, but if I'm known anywhere, I can't do that. Like, that just takes a lot of guts. Today, as we talk about this particular topic of money, knowing that it can get awkward, I think it's important for us to dive into. Depending on your specific context, the topic of money brings out a particular feeling in all of us. For some of you in the room, if you're a college student, maybe you're sitting in this room and you're maybe thinking to yourself, the feeling that comes up for you is desperation. You're longing for money. You're wondering where it may be. Maybe you are anxious around money. Maybe you are callous around money. Maybe you get awkward around money because you don't have a lot of it. Maybe you have a feeling because it feels like money is out of your control. Some of you may get upset around money because your particular significant other keeps going to Target. And mine isn't in the room, but um, that was a little subtle shot at my wife, Aisha, there. So maybe there's some upsetness that comes around. Maybe there's something that brings up. There's a feeling that happens when we engage in the topic of money. It's interesting to think about just how much the emotional impact money has on us. I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, I was going to the mailbox, and when I was going to the mailbox, I remember open, I, I opened it, and I was like, you know, it was a, a mailbox that was full of just mail, full of envelopes. And I remember as a kid, when any sort of random mail came my way, and I'm like 12, and I like, I went to like a camp or something, and they wanted to send me a thank you note. Like, I got excited about mail with my name on it. I go to the mailbox now, and I'm like, what do you want from me now? Like, what else is there? What did I miss? What am I supposed to do? The dentist. I, I'm always taking the toll road. I have none of the, like, things I'm supposed to have, so I'm just getting taxed all the time with the toll road. So whatever it is, I'm just like, okay, all of these things go into the mailbox. We have something in our culture called retail therapy. Some of you laughing. You know what this means. We actually go shopping and we have no needs except to get this feeling of whatever off of us. We may be in a little rut, maybe feeling down, had a bad week at work, and we say, I need some retail therapy. We have no needs, but we go shopping and we go in the mall. If you go in the mall these days, I know mall is kind of like becoming obsolete, but we go shopping and you ever been in that situation where the person's like, hey, can I help you with anything? You're like, no, 
well, is there anything that you're looking for specific? I'll know it when I see it. So you don't have any needs, you're just going about shopping. It's not some of us for, it's not the mall for some of us, it's that Amazon boxes that we see on our porch. It's a feeling that we get when I get to see that Amazon Prime on my box. I don't even remember what I bought, but it's just there and I'm like, oh, it's like Christmas. And I just like, oh my goodness, I get to engage in this. It's interesting, the emotional impact that money has on us. It does something for us. In our time together, though, I want to make sure that we look at this in a holistic way to recognize that it doesn't just do something for us in a temporary satisfaction type of way, but it's also doing something to us. That's how it was when it relates to when it comes to money in kind of a general sense. And then there's church. What I like about that video is that like he said, no, 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 this is for church. Like that was like a everybody feels safe talking about it at church. Oh, no, no, this is for church. This is for church. Don't worry. All your money is going to be good. The interesting conversation about when it comes to money and church is that it feels in some ways that it moves from people seeing church as like, you know, oh man, I'm like, you know, God is there, it's spiritual, it's holy, we feel good about it. And then when it comes to money, it's like, okay, they're doing a seminar. Like this is just something that is shifting. It's not as spiritual. It's just going to be advice because Maurice, don't, don't tell me too much of what I got to do with my money. It moves from a sermon to a TED talk. Because we don't like people telling us what to do with our money. Look, I don't, look, it was church and then it just moved to a seminar because money becomes something that we talk about and it becomes very awkward. Depending on your specific context, the topic of money brings out a particular feeling in you. Where I grew up, some of you know my story, I grew up uh, back in Los Angeles, California, and I grew up in a household, two-parent household. Um, my parents, uh, one worked as a nurse, the other one. Um, till today, I kind of get awkward about, like, what my dad does. It's like, yeah, I'm in sales. I'm like, okay, but what? And it was like, yeah, like, for, like, uh, you know, they're like a corporation thing. And I'm like, he's never really clear about what it is. And I'm like, what, what type of sales? You got so people who say, say sales you know, watch out for them. But I grew up in this particular situation. I grew up in this particular household. And um, also when it came to church, we always talked about money. So like in church, I mean, listen, it was a whole extra 15 minute sermon every week about money, what it meant in our relationship with God. And we would have the old school church. You guys probably seen this on a movie or you've been in that type, type of church. Also, you pass the plate around, right? You pass the plate around, it's kind of a little bit of like a, you know, people watching, like, are you putting your money in this week? And you pass it on to the next person, and they pass the plate around. And I remember, I'm 24 years old, I fly up here for an interview, and I remember going to church, and then I come here to Ascent, and I'm like, wait, they are like, church is over. And I'm like, wait, what happened? Wait, hold on. Well, where, where's the offering moment? Where, where's the, the, plate, the, the plate passing? Where's all the conversation about money? And they're like, no, nah, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that here. And I was like, okay. See, where I grew up, there's a whole offering song that we had. It was a particular song that you knew that when they hit that particular key and we started singing it, we knew that that was a time where money was about to be brought up. You can't beat God's giving. No, no, no. No matter how you try. For the more you give, the more he gives to you. So keep right on giving because it's really true. And then we just keep going. And, you know, that's the whole song right there. And it's on repeat. That whole song on repeat. I say all of that to say that you might get awkward talking about money in church, but I'm not. 
So we're going to have a good family conversation around money. It's a part of our natural discipleship process. And today and in the next couple of weeks, I hope that you also understand that Jesus has a lot of thoughts around money. He's not shy on money. He talks about money more than he talks about heaven. He talks about money more than he talks about marriage. He talks about money so much. And I think there's a reason to that. We have something here at Ascent that I think is important when it comes to our faith journey. It's something I want to call a whole life discipleship. See, in our understanding of who God is and our relationship with God, it's understanding as I lay the groundwork for the next couple of weeks that are about to come up, that God uses every area of your life to grow you up in your faith. That means when I say whole life discipleship, this holistic faith, this holistic understanding of who God is, that means as a mature group of people who are following after Christ, nothing is off the table. So that means we have to have family conversations around things like money. In this series, it is our hope that you recognize Jesus wants something for you far greater than something from you. I'm going to say that again because I want you to understand if you don't capture anything else, Jesus wants something for you when it comes to you and your relationship with your wallet than he wants from you. As a church that is centered on Jesus and the principles of Jesus and Scripture, I want you to know by the end of this series, if you haven't already been in this space, that you begin to see our heart as preachers and communicators and people who are facilitating church and gatherings every single week, that we have the same posture. That we want something for you far greater than we want something from you. Because I know that it can get pretty icky, it can get a little weird around church and money because something you may have seen on TV, something you may have seen as it relates to the news and another pastor did this and, you know, using the funds for this and all oh, the driving this and they're not doing this, whatever it may be, we all come in with some sort of baggage around it. But when we talk about money, are we talking about it in the same way that Jesus talked about it? Or if our money talked, would our money say the same thing about us that Jesus is saying about money? Because our money is a telltale sign of where we are in our discipleship process. So as we move forward a little bit further into our time together, I want to make it very, very clear. You probably brought somebody to church and you're like, Maurice, not on the Sunday. I brought a neighbor to church. Not the stereotypical church and money thing and are you about to do a second offering? Oh my goodness, is this this or is not this particular Sunday? You are here on a great Sunday. And I know that sometimes we shy away from money, but let's be honest, money is something that we encounter every single week. But let me be clear. I'm not in control of you, neither is Jesus. I can't tell you what to do. This is something that is going to be important for all of us, so I'm going to encourage you. I'm gonna tell you to lean in a little bit more. If you're not a person that's a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook this week. You're just off the hook for the next couple of weeks. I want you to lean in to kind of like, I'm off the hook, but what does Jesus say about it? I want you to listen in on this particular conversation. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's too late. I'm sorry, you are held to a different standard. And that is going to be something that comes with challenge. That's gonna be something that comes with conviction. 
That's going to be something where we press you into your own relationship to see what God is calling you to when it comes to financial giving. So I want to make it clear, if you're a person who's a follower of Jesus, you've got a different standard. If you're not, I want you to lean in. I want you to hear what is it that God says about money, because maybe what what I've heard before is not all there is to it. I want to start off with a particular passage where Jesus is speaking to a group of people. And this is the famous Sermon on on the Mount. And this is a sermon that Jesus gives, and he's talking. This is one of the very first sermons that Jesus gives. And I think it's going to be important that we lean into what does he say around giving. It finds, we can find ourselves in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. It says these words right here. Don't store up treasures, a.k.a. money, here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. Another version says it right here at that very ending in the message version. A pastor writes it, not necessarily in a version, but he kind of captures the emotion of the text. And he says these words, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. I want to pray for our time together. I know that we've already moved in a big portion of our service, but I think it's important to just take a moment of pause to see what God has for us and to lean into this passage around our hearts and our money. Because by the end of our time together, you will see that there is a deep connection that Jesus makes when it comes to the posture of our heart and the posture of our money. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for another opportunity to grow up in our faith. Thank you for another opportunity to become more like you. I pray right now, Lord, that you soften our hearts. Would you open our ears? Would you allow us to sit in a place of what does God have to say to me in this conversation? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is Jesus' famous sermon on the mount, like I mentioned before. And in this sermon, he covers so many topics. Jesus talks about purpose, reconciliation, anger, murder, adultery, keeping your word, love, prayer, those who are marginalized, worry, anxiety, hypocrites, heaven, marriage, judging people, and money. He covers so many different topics. I mean, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, there is a group of values that you see right there. If you want to know where God's heart is, what does he think about people? What what does he think about humanity? Well, Jesus gives an entire kind of like footnotes of everything he thinks about in this particular passage. Not everything, but it's not exhaustive, but there's so many topics. And he covers them. He goes from anger and he goes from love and he goes to worry and he bounces around to all these particular topics. Without doing much deep dive, I think it's important to recognize that as he peels the layers back in these particular areas, I think he shows us a value of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and money. And that it's not something to shy away from, but it is something to be aware of. Because if we're not careful, money can have us more than we think we have money. This is what he makes 
when he talks, or this is what he talks about when he is attaching money to our heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I believe Jesus presses us in this particular passage and shows us that money is a heart check for us. How do I know the posture of my heart? How do I know I don't have a hardened heart? How do I know that I am living in a holistic way when it comes to every area of my life? Remember I said whole life discipleship, nothing is off the table. He makes the connection. Just because, well, here's the first point that I want to make, that he does not just talk about money, but the position of money in our lives. He doesn't just talk about money. He talks about the position of money. Where is the position of money? I believe just because something does not come first in our life, it does not mean that it's not good, but it does have a place. Like, do we under, like, I want us to really press and understand that, that when it comes to our financial giving, money has a position. And I think our bank statements would tell on us of what position that is. I think Target would tell on us about where that position is. I think Lululemon would tell on us about where that position is. I think late night McDonald's runs would tell on us about where that position is. I want to ask you this morning, where is that position for you? Is it something that you've even thought about? Because isn't it true that money sometimes can be that thing that we just keep kicking down the road and if for whatever reason we kind of make this sort of narrative in our head that it's not there and we just kind of keep kicking it down the road and we just kind of keep swiping and we just kind of keep spending like, all right, I know I make money, but I don't need to look too closely at it. And we just kind of keep kicking it down the road. What position does money play in your world? I believe money plays a particular position in all of our worlds. And I want you to hear me very clearly. This isn't a demonized money for the next couple of weeks series. Money is good. Money is necessary for us. Please hear me clearly on that. But it has its place. Because things can be good, but do they have its rightful place? We see in the Christian walk that comfort is good. Comfort has its place. Friendships are good. Friendships have their position. Children are good, but children have their place. And sometimes in our own world, I was kind of putting this together, and I know this isn't a marriage series, but I just want to drop that in there. Sometimes you kind of put children in front of our marriage. Children has its place. Sex is good. Sex has its proper place. Vacations are good. Vacations have their proper place. Country music is good. No, I'm not going to say that, all right? Um, it has its place, all right, all right? Um, not on my playlist. Maybe on yours, but not on mine. Anyways, good things have their place in the kingdom of God. And it's important for us to recognize in this series, asking us the question, is money in its rightful position in my life? I remember growing up and uh, I was playing football growing up. Some of you know that I played football growing up. And, and I remember playing football and, and sometimes you kind of got to figure out your way around the field. Like when you're younger, you don't know what you're really good at. You see something on TV and it's like, I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that. And growing up, I was always bigger. I was always bigger than everybody else. I was a little, always a little bit heavier. And I remember the first day 
of like our tryouts, our kind of like football tryouts or whatever the case may be. And they kind of ask you, right? You kind of get in line. They ask you, okay, what position you want to play? What position you want to play? And I got excited because I've been watching like Cordell Stewart. And I know he played at CU, right? CU, go CU, Scobus, whatever. I remember watching Cordell Stewart and I'm like, I want to be that. But you got to remember, I was bigger. So I wasn't the slash, I wasn't like, a, you know, running around, all that other stuff. So I remember vividly, I remember him up, uh, coming up to the coach, and I'm like, I want to play QB. And I'm like 50 pounds over QB weight, and I'm just like, I want to play QB. And they're like, nah, okay, we'll write it down as a, like, secondary, but we're not having you play QB. And I remember vividly them telling me, that's not a position for you. You would be out of position if you tried to play QB. Why do I simply say that? I simply say that because if we look at our lives, if we look at the kingdom of God, and we look at what God says about money and treasure and our heart, I just wonder, and I got to be open and honest with my own self, preparing for this series has made me circle back and go look at where money has played a part in my life, the position that it has played. And sometimes I'm doing good, and sometimes I feel holy, and sometimes I'm like, yes, I'm right on point, and then it starts to drift. And then I start to kind of like miss giving, and kind of like, oh man, you know, I'm going to not do that, and I'm going to not do this, and then I'm spending more money here, and I'm not supposed to spend over here, and I'm kind of like, you know, sometimes you get in a place where you're kind of like moving from account to account, thinking you got money, like tricking yourself in your head. Like, no, nah, I don't have it over here, but I got it over here, and I'm going to move it over here, and then my savings is going to be this, and then I got money now. And it's like, no, that wasn't supposed to come out of that other account, and now you think you got money. What position does money play? I think a lot of times when we engage in this conversation, we think to ourselves that we have no money. I don't care where you are. I don't care what stage of life that you're in. You think to yourself, I need more. I need to have more. Maybe you're like, nah, Maurice, like, seriously, you don't know our income. You don't know what it looks like. I know. I understand. But when it comes to a whole life discipleship, I also think that it's important to recognize a whole world discipleship. And in our particular study that Andy Stanley is putting together, that he has put together and the resources he has uh, accumulated, I think it's important in this particular clip that he captures as it relates to our heart and when it comes to, I don't have any money when it comes to able to give. So I want you to turn your attentions again to the screen and check this out. What do you do with your spare money? Not your spare change, your extra dollars, your spare dollars, the ones that, well, the ones that you don't really need. And it's not a trick question. And if you're thinking, Andy, who has spare dollars laying around? Um, you know, sometimes I'll spare a dollar for a good cause, but I don't have any extra money. And I certainly don't have any extra money laying around. And technically that's true. You don't have extra money just laying around, but you do have extra. Have you ever taken a vacation? Have you taken a vacation in the past couple of years? Do you have a car? Do you have more than one car? <laughs> Do your kids have a car? Does your car have its own little house? Have you ever driven a perfectly good car to a car lot and then left it there and drove away in another perfectly good car but newer model that you use some of your extra money to purchase? How about this? When you went to purchase your current cell phone, did you walk into the store with a perfectly good cell phone in your pocket? Of course you did. You see, people with extra, we don't wait for things to break. We upgrade. We trade things in. Or how about this? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever gone into your kitchen 
A kitchen that has countertops, a microwave, an oven, a refrigerator, and then ripped it all out, and then used some of your spare money to replace it all with countertops, a refrigerator, a microwave, and an oven. Do you have so much spare money that you actually pay someone to keep track of it for you? Like someone else's job is to take care of all of your money and invest it so it turns into more extra money? So when I put it like that, you know, what do you know? You do have spare money. You just don't feel like you do. Interesting, right? When you put it in that way. The reason I mentioned a whole world discipleship is because I think as Americans in the West, we can really misplace or, to, or we begin to actually not see a holistic understanding of what it means to have money, when it means to have wealth. If you in America have 45000 in total household income, 45000 in total household income, you are in the top 1% of the world top 1% of the world. And isn't it interesting that we begin to look at things only in the statistics of our American context. And, and sometimes we get into money series and we begin to think about money. And when the scripture starts to talk about it's harder for a rich person to enter into heaven and, and rich people this and rich people that, you're like, Maurice, go after those rich people. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go after those rich people. You, <laughs> that would be you. You recognize that there are so many people who live on a dollar a day. I believe the statistic was one billion people in our world live off of a dollar a day. You spent nine on Starbucks this morning. It's funny, but I want to make it clear. I want to just like get a picture of that. I want to really see. I want us to pull back the layers here to really understand what is God getting at when he's talking about this? Is he just talking about in a particular uh, uh, Eastern context, Western context? He's talking about a whole world discipleship of how we relate to money. So when it comes to this, I think it's important as privileged people. Because that's the problem with privilege, right? That we got to be careful of that privilege does not allow us to see us in the grand scheme of things. We begin to just see ourselves in our particular context. One of the problems with having privilege as privileged people, it misplaces priorities. God has called us to have money be a means to an end that plays a position. I want to read for you Matthew 6.33. Jesus goes on. This is still in the Sermon of the Mount, and he doubles down in this particular section around money, around finances. He talks about not worrying and kind of being open to not worry too much about tomorrow and all these other things. And then he says these words right here, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Another version says, seek first the kingdom of God. Like there's a priority that God puts on the kingdom. And when we put these things together, when we put all of our understanding of our relation with money together, priorities are big in our discipleship. So what does this mean for us? And the kingdom of God, I wrote down a few notes. When money is in the right position, it is a guardrail to keep my heart from greed. When money plays its right position in the kingdom of God, it is a guardrail that keeps my heart from greed. 
It's what Andy Stanley in this particular study would call the consumption assumption, that whatever is mine is mine. You do understand that there's an entire paradigm shift, like there's an entire shift, an entire mental shift for us to see our money every time we go to our bank account, whether it's Wells, Chase, whatever you have, a credit union, whenever we look at our money, if you still carry around cash, if you still write checks, whatever it may be, to look at our money and to say, that's God's. Like, that's not a normal thing. Like, that's not even a, a thing that many people do. And in the grand scheme of thing across the Christian world, I can look at many polls as I'm preparing for this, and giving is an area that we must grow up in, that we must become more like Christ in. And as I see this, it's something that is so important because that really startled me as I sat there and I began to think to myself, where do I begin to get off thinking that mine is mine? Lord, look, I done worked hard for this. I done did this. I done made my way. I done built my resume. That's my degree. That is my car. That is my house. Oh, man, you don't know what I have to do. Look, that is mine. And we begin to see all of our possessions and all of our finances as ours. Can I encourage you on this morning that if you're going to make a priority shift, a prioritize and start to prioritize God and the kingdom of God, that's beginning to look at your money and say, Lord, that's yours. It's a little hard to be greedy when something's not yours. Like if I'm holding money in my hand and I'm like, yes, this person over here has a need. Yes, the church is having this and I need to give to it. Yes, there's a family member that's called me and they're in need of this. And I'm looking at this money. It's easy to have closed hands when it's my money. Nah, you don't know what I had to do for this money. You don't know what it took for me to get this money. Go work for your own money. Do your own thing. But if I have open hands and I look at that like that's not even mine, it's a little bit easier. I'm not going to say it's way easy because I'm trying to still trying to do this thing. And I'm not doing all my best at it, but I'm saying it's a little bit easier to have an open-handed generosity when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to those who are around us, when it comes to having eyes to see like Jesus. How does this look? I want to give you a few practical things and I want to get out your way. A few practical things and I want to get out your way. One of the things that the study helps us look at, and this isn't a one size fits all, so this is something I want to press you into to go back home, get into your prayer closet, get into your, your time of quietness, whatever that may be, and seek the Lord on what this looks like for you. But a particular skeleton and a starting point, Andy Stanley, who's put this particular study together, him and his team, uh, he calls it the 10 10 80. 10, 10, 80. 10%, he says, to give, 10% to save, and 80% to live off of. He calls this a generosity strategy. This is a starting point. And I know for some of you, you like Maurice, 10%? Hold up, brother. But I think it's a starting point to recognize what percent are we at right now? Because if we're going to be very practical in recognizing the, 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 the position of our heart and knowing that having priorities, like it's a guardrail when money has the right position, like it's hard for me to be greedy when, I, when God continues to ask me to press into giving. I recognize that when we do this, give, save, and live, God is saying this is a particular generosity strategy. How does that become practical? How does that become something that we live into more and more? Well, here's the thing. I want to mention percentage and I want to mention progressive. 
percentage. What do I mean by percentage? An encouragement that I have for you would begin to look at your financial giving and to see what percentage does God call me to have in this? What percentage, when I sit down with me and my spouse, and what percentage are we feeling comfortable with? Another scripture says what God has placed in your heart. What is it that your heart has called you to give? Not to give under compulsion, not to give uh, under, under greed or whatever the case, under these different circumstances, but what have you set aside in your heart to give? And what I like about that is that it presses us to look at our heart, to look at the posture of our heart, to not only have priorities, to not only have a percentage, what percentage are we at? I remember sitting down with Aisha right when we were getting, uh, when we were uh, dating and we began to talk about finances. One of the things that I looked at in our particular finances, I want to pull it up for you. It, it was really funny because I, I began to just jot down all of what I was making before Aisha and then at the time that I met Aisha. I wrote these down. At the time I met Aisha, I was living with my mom and dad, and they were giving me $200 a month allowance. $200 a month allowance. And then I remember a particular conversation that I had with my parents, and I remember, and this is around, just around like 19, and I don't have a particular job yet. I'm still living with them. I'm going to college, and I remember them giving me $200, and then I began to talk to them like, I think I need gas money. I'm in California. I know you give me allowance, but can I have gas money? And then I'm thinking I'm doing something. They're giving me $200 plus gas money. Ooh, I'm balling, y'all. I got gas money. Then it got to a point where I was like, I want some different things in life. So I started to go to my first job. The first job I had was working at Nike. I worked at Nike at $8 an hour. $8 an hour at Nike. I remember I got on board first and foremost as a temporary and then for like a seasonal position. And then when they got hired on full time, they raised me up. 820, y'all. 820, 820. 820 was the pay raise at Nike. I worked there for a few years. And then I remember going and taking a uh, manager position at Hurley. I was the only black brother in Hurley. Only black brother in Hurley. I just want to make that clear. Only black brother in Hurley. Surf shop. I'm sitting there with board shorts on. Uh, Hurley, 950 an hour. 950 an hour. I thought I was balling. I'm like, I'm almost at two digits, y'all. Look, this is about to be it. 950. Now, now I want to pause right here because this is when I begin to talk to Aisha. This is when I begin to meet Aisha. I'm making 950 an hour. I'm working at Hurley. And here's the thing: it was always embedded in me. Remember, I told you, church, we always talked about money. And I remember 10% was always something that we talked about. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. And so I remember even at each stage of my life. I began to put in a little bit, and I began to put in a little bit, and I worked my way up to this 10%. I got excited about that 10%, and I'm looking at Hurley, and I'm making $9.50 an hour, and I remember thinking to myself, at $200 a month, I could never see myself making this kind of money. I could never see myself making this kind of money. I was only getting $200 a month, and I moved on from Hurley, and I started working for a home for boys. Her Aisha's mom back in California, she owns a particular business for Home for Boys, and I became a manager there. I think it was because she really wanted me to marry her daughter, so she was like, I want you to work at my, you know, establishment, right? So I started working at this Home for Boys, and she pays me $16 an hour. I moved from $9.50 to $16 an hour. I'm on top of the world. This is big money I can't even think about. Now, here's the deal. Why do I tell you that this morning? 
Because in a very practical way, if we don't have priorities, a percentage, and the posture of our heart together on that beginning sky, we always can begin anywhere. But if we don't have that particular thing in order, I begin to recognize and begin to see that that was what carried me through. That I didn't have to think about what it was. I didn't have to think about doing something very different. At each stage, I had already said in my heart what my giving was going to be. So I sat down with Aisha. I said, look, this is what I give. This is what it looks like for me to give. And I have it already in place. The position, the percentage, and the posture of our hearts. When we talk about giving, we don't just talk about giving to something. We're talking about giving from something. And in this series, I want you to really see where am I giving from? It's very easy in one stage of our walk with God to give to something. There's a need. I'm giving to it. Something that needs to take place, I'm giving to it. What does it look like to give from a place? Because isn't that what Jesus presses us into when he says, our hearts, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He presses us to think about where are you giving from. Another scripture in Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Kingdom type of living recognizes that it is God others than me. This is very radical in our day and age of just sitting and saying, mine is mine. Drink, eat, and be merry. You have drink, eat, and be merry, and you have God, others, and myself. What position are you going to play? There's a shift that we all must make. As the band makes their way to the stage, sometimes in this conversation of financial giving, our hearts, and all of these things, I think sometimes where we can get it wrong is we begin to keep continually center us. Even as I'm preaching in this moment, I'm having the moments of recognizing what's the stories, where are the people at, what is it that in their particular context, and it can become something that centralizes on us. I want to make it very clear that we are not the center of this story, that we are not the center of God's kingdom. And for us to recognize and to really discern, I want to grow in my faith. And Lord, I've been leaving this area out. Have you been leaving this particular area out where you can trust God with your soul, but you can't trust him with your wallet? That's a place where you got to really recognize and reckon with that, man, I've repented and I've seen that God is faithful and he's loving and I've, and I've seen and, and I've recognized I need to turn from this life that I used to live and, and God has died for me and called me worthy and called me love and that is worth following. And Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You can have my soul, but watch out when it comes to my wallet. I think that's a dangerous place to be. When we begin to see the source of our resources as we begin to see our resources as our source because God was always after our heart and because God cares for our heart I think we should start doing the same and it's not us to be at the center of this story the gospel of Jesus is built on the foundation of giving and it's recurring we give we serve because he has served we love because of his love. We sacrifice because of his sacrifice. We give because he first gave to us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Giving has always been a currency of the kingdom of God, our time, our treasure, and our talents. So I ask you this morning, again, what position are we going to play? And what position does our money play in our life? Because we all desire to have a posture that is exactly what God calls us to. And when he speaks about it in this passage, and I want you to go and read it this week in Matthew chapter 6, he doesn't just talk about money, he talks about the position of money and the posture of our hearts. We serve because he first served us. One particular passage of scripture says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Some churches would take that and they would run with it and they would talk about how everybody needs to be rich and preach a prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what scripture is talking about. It's this connection between the gospel of Jesus and our giving, and they make an analogy to say, look at what God has done so that. And I'm here to say this morning, your money has a position in your life and in your world. And it's because of somebody's financial giving that we get to have a men's retreat and men are encountering Jesus this weekend. It's because of your financial giving not just be giving to something, but giving from your hearts that we get to be in the Chief Hayes Project and go into a community and love on them just to say no strings attached. We love you because we love you. It's because of your financial giving, not just to the teachers in our city, but from your heart, we get to say no matter where you are, no matter what teacher you are, no strings attached. We just want to love you. We want to bring you breakfast. We want to care for you in this moment to say we see you. It's because of you when it comes to first responders and during COVID, we get to respond in a way. It's because of you not just giving to something, but from something that we get to recognize the fires, the martial fires that happened. And we get to say, we're responding to this because it's not ours. And because we know that to continue to keep the guardrail of greed out of our heart, God, I'm giving this away. What does it look like? Do the kids in this area need toys? Do the people in the, that were infected by the fires, what do they need? Do they need groceries? We respond in a way, not just because we give to something, but we give from something. And that's gonna be my prayer this morning. That you begin to look at your heart. That you begin to go and you look at your finances and you just don't look at your finances and you just don't keep it, kick the can down the road of looking at your spreadsheet and looking at your statement as looking at your statement. I want you to look at your statement with a new lens from now on. I want you to look at your statement and say, God, this is yours. What is it that you desire? What is it that you would want me to give from? Not just to, from. For some of us, our prayer is going to be, Lord, my heart has been hard. And I look at everything I got going on, and I got kids in college, and I got this thing going on, and I just got this over here, and I'm recognizing this, and I got this, and I got this, and I got this. But if we start to step back and to say, I can list all of my things that I feel like is an excuse, but at the end of the day, God, it's yours. It makes it a little bit easier. So would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning for the posture of our hearts? God, you have called us to live like you, to increase in our Christ-likeness, to become faithful in our stewardship. Sometimes that's hard 
And this series is gonna cause us to be vulnerable and sometimes this series is gonna call us to reflect and I'll be honest with you as number one, making a confession, I'm not where I should be in my giving. That the things that I've prayed for, I'm now living in, that I'm now walking in and yet I haven't revisited my finances. Lord, that's some of us in this room this morning. Some of us in this room this morning, we desire to grow up in our faith and to be more like you. And maybe this is the starting point. Maybe this is the area that we test you in. Maybe this is the area that we say, I'm going to give a little bit more. Not Not under compulsion, but to make sure I keep my heart in check because it's all yours. Would you help us, Lord? Would you tender our hearts? Would you open our ears? And would you open our hands to say, Lord, whatever it is that you desire, place it in my heart. We have resources, we have all the things, and it's from you. Not just the position of money, but the posture of our heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.